Okay, thank you, Lord. Uh, let's join with me and let's let's pray and thank the Lord for the Word this morning. Father, we just give you praise that there is an anointing on your Word, and that means it's a it's a power of for revelation, Father, for us to receive something in our heart and in our spirit, man. And in our mind, we can. you said we should renew our mind to the Word of God. That means renew. It means make it new again, but make it to the Word. And so, Father, thank you for the opportunity to do that. We thank you for that special revelation that's on your Word, that anointing, that presence of you. But we also thank you that's on us because we're children of yours. And I thank you that it's, that it's on the office to teach. And we just receive that. We thank you. We determine today and declare that we're going to receive something that we need to hear and it's going to make a difference to us today. Lord, we didn't just come to get our ears tickled or to hear some nice uh, explanation of something or whatever. Lord, we came to receive something from You. So Lord, whether it's something that You use through what I say or whether You just speak softly in Your still small voice to different ones' ears of what they need to hear to complement this, I thank You either way we receive it. Do you receive it this morning? Say, I receive it. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to recap just a little bit. We're talking about the full armor of God as a set of tools. It's like, you know, if you picture you had a great big toolbox that God gave you for Christmas. (laughs) And really, that's true. That's when it came. That's when it was delivered. And, um, and then it became yours on Resurrection Day. But uh, it's this great big toolbox. And there's all kinds of sets in it and all kinds of individual tools. Well, today, we're, we're pulling out of this big old tool chest one of the sets. <laughs> I don't know if it's a set of wrenches or, or, or whatever. It might be like that. But it's called the full armor of God. And so... We started on this last week, and, and our text for it is Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. And in those 11 verses, it talks about different pieces of, of armor, at least in the latter part of that passage, it talks about it, um, that we're supposed to put on. And so anyway, the, the first thing that, that we looked at was the first two verses, 10 and 11, says, put on the full armor of God. It says... Um, in there that we're supposed to stand firm. And um, the first thing he said was finally. So this must be important. It ended, the, it ended the, the letter that he said. He said, be strong and in the strength of his might. But he said, put on the full armor of God. And he equated putting on this armor with being strong in the Lord. So to be strong in the Lord, it must be important to learn about this armor. And um, and then it, it, when and when he says be strong, we looked at that for a little bit, and we said be strong in what was the question? Was in is it in our own power? Are we supposed to be strong? I know Jack was mentioning earlier about he's thinking about weightlifting. Well, that makes you strong, right? And and we need to be strong physically. We need to educate ourselves so we're strong in our mind. But is that the strength he's talking about here? In fact, it's not even anything of our own. He said, be strong in the power of His might, the strength of His might. So it's God's might that we're learning about how to be strong in, not ours. So this whole deal involves you thinking outside yourself and and picturing yourself and taking on yourself God's strength, not your strength. And so this, this set of tools is a way to help you tap into God's strength and not just have to rely on yours. Thank God you don't have to rely on your own strength because there are days we don't feel like we have too much. And then there are days we feel pretty good, but sometimes that's when you can really get in trouble because you go out on your, you're tempted to go out on your own strength and you might fall flat on your face. Um, so it's talking about in His might. That's whose strength we're talking about. And we related this back to what God told Joshua in uh, Joshua chapter 1. He told him, He said, be strong and courageous. Have you seen the movie yet? That, that's where it came from. They used that, that verse 
at least inspired the title of the movie. But God told Joshua three times in four verses, he repeated himself, said, Be strong and courageous. And he explained to him that he was going to provide him the courage and strength. If he'd move out in God's strength and God's courage, he'd be able to lead those millions of people, be able to take the promised land. But God knew that he needed to be strong in order to do that. I tell you what, it takes strength if you're going to lead 50 people or 100 people because everybody's not going to like you. <laughs> and everybody's not going to like what you say and how you lead or your style or whatever. And so... Think of Joshua. He had four million. And they, and they came from a generation of complainers and gripers. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> he really had his, his job cut out for him, didn't he? And he needed to be courageous and strong. And so we looked at how those words are defined here in the New Testament in Ephesians. And strong is defined as enabled, strengthened, to empower. <coughs> when we said it's God's might, that's defined as ability, might, power, strength, okay? And then what does it mean here by armor? Well, when you look it up in the original language here and it was, it was made up of two root words put together, it, it basically means all the tools you need for war. And so we discussed a little bit last week about, you know, as, as Christians, as believers, children of God in the kingdom of God, we're, this is not a spectator deal we're in. We're at war. And it's a declared war. It's not a police action. It's a declared war. God declared war on the devil. And the devil <laughs> was already fighting before God declared the war. And, and so we're, in, we're at war, and you can't just play around being a Christian. If, you're going to be a, if you are going to be a, a child of God and you're going to operate in the kingdom of God, you've got to take it serious because you're in a war. And if you don't take it serious, the devil already did, and he does, and he's out to kill you. So you better learn how to defend yourself, and you better learn to use some weapons. Because I'm telling you what, if you've got an enemy out there, and I'm not glorifying him because he's been defanged. He really only has one weapon but he uses it quite uh, effectively. But nevertheless, if you've got an enemy out there that's trying to kill you, well, the, the one part that's important is you better put on and have enough uh, knowledge and uh, training and discipline to defend yourself, but is that enough? Do you want an enemy just because you got on a bulletproof vest and you got, got a helmet on your head? And, um, and maybe even if you're able to jump in and out of a tank, do you still want the enemy just to shoot at you all the time and you can't do anything back? No, you better, you better learn there's some weapons to use. Because <laughs> I don't want to just walk out on the battlefield and say, Give it your best shot, Dale. <laughs> I'm, I'm your target. <laughs> no, I want to be shooting at him so he stays in his trenches. <laughs> in fact, I really want to go route him out of the trench and get him on the run. Because the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. The gates aren't moving. We're supposed to be attacking the gates. And they're supposed to be falling in. So that means we're supposed to not only be good soldiers and know how to defend ourselves, we're supposed to be on the offensive. We're supposed to be moving forward. So doesn't that sound like setting goals and having something to use your faith on? So that's why we're studying this set of tools. So anyway, um, what is the purpose when we said, who has, to, who has to put on the armor? That sentence says, put on the whole armor of God, or the full armor of God. Who's supposed to put it on? Me. You. <laughs> that, that, we said that, that you know, when, a, when a sentence starts with a verb, there's an understood subject, you. <laughs> who has to put on the armor? Is God going to jerk you out of bed and put, put the armor on you? <laughs> no, you've got to put it on. <laughs> And so you've got you to you take action. See, any good soldier has to take action. First of all, he has to get out of bed in the morning. And usually they don't have too much choice. <laughs> but they have to get out of bed in the morning and put on their uh, uniform and their armor. If they're going to go out on the battlefield, they better put on their armor. So they have to do something. You can't just stumble out of bed as a, as a soldier and stumble out of the barracks and, and stumble out onto the battlefield. 
you better get up and do something. You better put on your armor. You better wake up, splash some water in your face, wake up, put on your armor, and then you better make sure that you've cleaned your weapon and loaded it with some ammunition. <laughs> you want to go out there with a with a, a a rifle that's all dirty and the barrel clogged up, and even if it would shoot, you got one bullet left against a whole herd of the enemy coming against you? No, you better get up and prepare your weapons too. So there's some action we have to take. And that's why I like in this tool set here, Paul talks about put on, take. There's stuff you got to do. He's reminding us that there's stuff you got to do. And there's a purpose in it. What it was the purpose we talked about last week? What does it say in there? So you will be able to Stand firm. We're not supposed to stand shaky. (laughs) We're not supposed to turn and run. We're supposed to stand and stand firm. And I don't think that's just stand just because, well, this is our ground and we're not giving up anymore. I think we're supposed to stand because we're also going to be using our weapons and shooting at the enemy. Um, So there's a purpose why we're supposed to take action and put on this armor. There is a purpose. And then, who did we say that we're supposed to stand firm against? What does it say in this passage? Are we supposed to stand firm against people who get in our way? No, No, it's not people. We're not supposed to stand firm against people. It says in here, uh, in verse, uh, what is it, 11 or even 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Who is that describing? The devil and who else? His followers, the demons, the demonic forces, the powers of spiritual darkness out there. You know, people who don't believe in the spiritual realm are terribly deceived and I think that's one of the biggest deceptions of the devil is to get you to think that all there is to this to reality is this what you see smell hear taste and touch in this physical realm that we experience with our five physical senses I'm, I'm here to tell you and y'all know this there's another realm out there and that's the real realm that's, that's really more real than this realm that we operate in on the earth that God created as a little safe cocoon for us. The real realm out there where the real power takes place is the spiritual realm where God is, where the angels are. Now, God's inside of you, so keep you thinking straight here. But where God and His power is, where the angels are, where the demonic uh, beings are and the devil is. There's a spiritual realm. It's the invisible realm. Okay, People will try to get you to think just logically with your little peanut brain and try to, and this is the devil's trick, to try to trick you and believe, well, there's nothing really else out there. There's no spiritual side of things. Yeah, there is. And that's the real thing. In fact, we're supposed to get, we studied this a while back, we're supposed to get to where we start operating so much more in that realm and we're more sensitive to that realm than we are to this visible realm. And when we strive for that and we get glimpses of that and we operate over in that from time to time and more and more and more, you begin to get closer in touch with the Spirit of God and what He's speaking to you and what's going on in that spiritual realm. Now, I'm not talking about the wooey-wooey and Ouija boards and all that garbage. I'm talking about the real spiritual realm, not the deceptive spiritual realm. I'm talking about where the power of God operates, where you hear God's voice, where faith and the power that we release in our faith goes to work in the invisible realm of the Spirit of God. That's what I'm talking about. That's really the real realm, and that's where the battle's being fought. Um, and so you got to get all this straight. So we're not going out there on our own. Well, we, you know, a lot of people are. Well, we got to get out there, brother, and get together and pray. Let's 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 get together and have a have a prayer time for three hours every Tuesday night and do spiritual warfare. No, Jesus already defeated the enemy. Don't we realize that? We're just supposed to put on our armor and go, go um, possess the land and rout him out because he's already defeated. But we don't have to go and do 
for people to receive what God has for them, they just have to have uh, revelation of it and have an open heart and mind and receive by faith. We can't make somebody receive because we go intercede and pray for them and holler and scream and beg God to save them and do all this for three hours every Tuesday night. Because what it boils down to is the person has a free will and they just need to receive. Because Jesus has provided it free of charge. So I also don't want you to get off on this spiritual warfare business because there's a lot of a lot of garbage going around, a lot of bad doctrine and theology about that today. There is truth that there, as I was saying, that there is a real spiritual realm and there is warfare going on out there. But we're not in charge of the warfare. We're just supposed to do what we're called to do, and that is to take God at His Word, believe it, receive it, and stand firm on it against the devil, against our, our phys- the physical stuff that's going on around us we have to deal with, and, and mainly our own selfishness and, and um, wrong thinking <laughs> sometimes. So anyway, but there, there is, there's a battle going on in the spiritual realm with the enemy trying to trick you. And so it says that the way he what we're supposed to stand firm against is, is him and his enemies. And what are they up to? It says the schemes of the devil. And schemes there means trickery, lying in wait. See, the devil's hiding around these all these corners trying to deceive you and trick you. Like I said, he really only has one weapon, and it's deception. But if he can trick you into believing some lie that he's telling and get you to go for it, then he really wouldn't need any other weapons because you then you mess yourself up. Because really, all the answers are ours in here and that Jesus has provided for us, the only way we don't get them is if we either don't know about them or we get talked out of it. And the devil is a good talker. (laughs) He's in to talk you out of it. He's got all kinds of false doctrines and theologies he's cooked up and and ideas of men, so-called, he's inspired them, that talk people out of the Bible or water it down or say, well, it's really not that simple, brother. It's more complicated than that. No, it's not. Jesus taught it just plain and simple and said that we just need to receive. Freely you have, have received, freely give. And so um, the devil is out to trick, to lie in wait. We compared his nature, that's his nature, to God's nature. Y'all mentioned God's nature at the beginning of the service. Are those two the same? Are they compatible? No. They're totally different. Does God try to trick you? Does He lie in wait, hiding around the corner to jump out at you and, and deceive you? No. There is never a, you can't show me in the Bible any time where God's trying to deceive you. In fact, He fussed at people for being deceptive that were, that were His children. Didn't He fuss at, at, at Cain for trying to hide that He, that he killed Abel? He fussed at, uh, at Abram for lying about Sarah. <laughs> he fussed at Moses for killing the Egyptian <laughs> and, and fussed at a lot of different ones that tried to use deception at time, from time to time to try to accomplish what they thought was a way to get God's will accomplished. God is not a deceiver, even when it's to His benefit. He never deceives. He's always in the truth. And so, Him and the devil are totally opposite. And then... Uh, Paul defined in verse 12 for us the focus of standing firm. And we talked about that. It's not against people. It's against these powers of darkness. Uh, and and whether, whether we, you know, it says rulers, spiritual forces, principalities. It doesn't matter if, if it's a specific hierarchy it's talking about there. And, and there, it may be, but whether that's a separate teaching or not. And whether we don't know for sure that's what Paul was teaching on, whether there's rank and order and levels of authority in the kingdom of the devil. You know what? I really don't care. (laughs) Because none of them can stand against the name of Jesus. Whether it's the highest rank in the devil's kingdom or the devil himself, it really doesn't matter to me. So that's not the point here. The point is we're, we're lumping them all into one group, and that is who we're standing against. So that's what you got to keep in mind. So, anyway, we kind of left off there, and I wanted to pick up at verse 13 today. And um, 
Paul says here, he says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God. And um, I want to make sure that we... If this is going, did you push record? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so he says, Take up the full armor of God, in verse 13, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So Paul's implying here that in order to stand firm, you really need the tools in this armor. And that without them, there is a possibility, the way this is worded, that it's going to be hard for you to stand firm. And, it, you know, as we take back and look at these, what these tools are and when we get a little bit further on and see how they really apply to our life, you, you will realize more and more that that is true. That without, these are some of the basic tools in the toolbox. And without them, it is hard to stand firm against the devil. Um, so that's one thing that he's saying here, that if you don't put on all the pieces of the armor, it's going to be difficult for you. And so, that's a good point to underline, and I think that's why he said up in verse 10, finally, <laughs> be strong in the Lord, and verse 11, put on the whole armor. Because it's key to you being able to stand. Now, uh, he said in verse 11, put on the armor. And then here in verse 13, he says, take. So, if you, if you look at put, put on in verse 11, it's like, it's like putting on clothes. It means clothe. And, it, and it, it means like you clothe yourself. And, and in this case, when it's talking about armor or defensive uh, weaponry, it's like sinking into a suit of armor. That's what it means, clothing yourself with it. Now, when verse 13 where it says take, it's like take up, take, on, take unto you. Okay? And it's kind of like... Um, it implies, because it's made up of two root words, that word there for take, and it, and it implies a repetitive taking up, like over and over again. So think about it in the, in, in the analogy of a soldier. Does a soldier, once he goes into his basic training and they issue him his helmet and his um, bulletproof vest and, and whatever tool belt, and weapons and all this stuff, they, and they, they, he goes down through the line, however they do this in basic training, they give him these things, he puts them on, and then, you know, obviously at some point, it's going to be night, and he's going to take them off to go to bed. Does, you know, does he ever have to put them on again? Well, yeah, they gave him this stuff for him to put on every day. They didn't give him this stuff just to see if it fit and say, oh, that's nice. Let's take their picture in full armor here and record it for history. And then, you know, you can take it off and forget about it. <laughs> no, the, the army or the Marines, they give you this stuff to wear and they teach you how to wear it and put it on every day. And sometimes you have to sleep in it. <laughs> but if you don't, you've got to get back up the next morning and put it on again. So you can't just say, well, I put the armor on once, it fit, and it looked great. (laughs) Well, that's not the purpose. You missed the point. (laughs) The point is when you go out on the battlefield tomorrow, (laughs) you better have the armor on because you're going to need it. (laughs) And the next day and next week and three months from now, (laughs) you better put it on every day. So it implies a repetitive, and it also implies um, not only repetitive, but intensity. Okay. Do you think they have to pay attention when they get up in the morning and they're half bleary-eyed and all, you know, the soldiers and all this, and they're just putting on the right thing, stuff, and all, you know, put the gun over my shoulder and stumble out to the lineup? You know, you better, you better do it with some attention and know that you're doing this right. Because why? Because your life depends on it. You get out there on the battlefield and you put your helmet on backwards or you loaded your gun wrong or you, 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 you put your head through the, through the armhole of the bulletproof vest, something's going to be exposed that's not supposed to work that way. You better do it with some intensity, with some, with some uh, you know, attention. <laughs> 
And so you do it repetitively and you do it with intensity, you seize it. So anyway, then we get down to verse 14, and it starts out in verse 14. What do you end verse 13 with? Stand firm. And what's he start verse 14 with? Stand firm, (laughs) therefore. Okay, and then if you think about how this whole deal started up in, um, uh, where was it? Up in one of the earlier verses, verse 11. Stand firm. Okay, now think back what God told Joshua. He said it three times. Is it important? Is Paul trying to get a message across to us here? He said three times, stand firm. You think it might be important to stand firm? <laughs> he said it three times in these in less than ten verses. Yeah, I think it's important. I think he's trying to get a message across to us that we ought to stand firm. And I think it's going to be important that we stand firm using the pieces of the armor in order to live this life of faith that he's teaching us about here. It's important that we stand firm. He said it three times. So we need, to, we need to focus on standing firm. Well, what's it take? He says it's going to take this armor in order for us to stand firm. So let's, let's look at um, the pieces of the armor. So if you start in the second part of verse 14, um, after he said, Stand firm, having girded your loins, with truth. Okay? So, there is a piece of the armor called the truth. And where does it fit? What, what, what does it compare to in armor? It's like the belt. It's the belt of truth. Okay? It said, gird up your... You, when they, you, do you understand when they talked about it in the Bible times, gird up your loins? That means, that means if you got a long, like they had a long robe or garment, you pull it up and you tie it up around you. So whatever you got to tie with in the middle, that's what you gird yourself up with. You know? Women used to wear girdles. That was to hold up the middle, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, it's a belt. It's like a belt. Okay, does a belt not hold it all together? <laughs> it holds up what was down and holds in and down what was up. <laughs> and it pulls it all together in the middle. So these tools or this set of tools is important for us to know that what holds them all together, what holds this armor, hooked it to, what hooks it together, the bottom, the top, and around the middle is the belt, is truth. Without the truth, remember what we said the devil's weapon was? Was what? Deception. So the opposite of deception and lies is what? The truth. So we need to know the truth in order not to be deceived. And so truth is the key to holding it all together. Even as a Christian, knowing the truth will help you hold it all together. And so I want to back up for a minute because we, we, we talked about just the last couple of points because here we're putting on the first piece of the armor, the belt of truth. But we, we said earlier, he said, put on and take. Okay? So, to get this down to reality, what are we really doing with this, these things we're going to learn about that are Paul's comparing it to the armor or as armor? And it says put on, and we said you've got to take action, you've got to put on this armor. Okay, okay. So, yeah, we get the analogy, but how... In reality, how do you put on these things that are like truth, righteousness, this stuff? Well, how you put it on, and it says you do it repetitively or whatever, but the first way you put it on, just like when the soldier went through basic and got it issued to him, and he, and he, he tried it on and realized, hey, this stuff's, you know, this fits, or he got on the right one that fits, and it fits, and he understood, yeah, this, I, I need this, you know. So the first part of putting on the armor is getting a revelation of God's Word about these things. Getting a revelation of the importance of the truth of God. Getting a revelation of the righteousness of God. That's putting it on the first time. Now only the Holy Spirit can help you with that, but you've got to have yourself open to receive, and you've got to hear the Word in order to receive the revelation from the Word, right? You can't close the Bible and, and put it under your pillow at night 
and said, well, if I sleep on it, I'll get some revelation, won't I? <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you got to open it up <laughs> and read it and, and read it with an open heart and open mind and ask the Holy Spirit to show you something. And how many have ever had Him to show you? And you're like, wow, I never really understood that before. That's revelation of God's Word. So the, the first part of, of really what I mean here by putting it on, and I think what Paul meant, is to, to get that initial revelation of any, any promise in God's Word. But we're talking about certain truths in His Word. That it is the truth. We're going to talk about another one here in a second. Righteousness and uh, faith and all these things. You first need to, to, to get a revelation of it. Then from there, how you put it on... How do we attribute anything from God's Word that's a reality to us? How do we attribute it into our life? We've learned this. If it's in your heart, it needs to come out of your mouth. So the way you repetitively put it on after you got a revelation of this, you've been through basic, you got suited up, and you're like, yeah, I need this armor. This fits good. I know what this is for now. You know, you've been through training class and, and issued your armor of your weapons. That's the revelation part. But then how you repetitively do it is you speak that over your life. Now I'm not saying, now I've heard this talk before and this is where I want to stop and take a little time. Y'all might have heard this talk this way before too. I've heard this talk where Paul's teaching about this armor and if you don't get up every morning and speak every piece of this over your life, you're exposed that day and the enemy's going to defeat you. No, I think you get a you need to get a revelation and you just need to walk continually in that revelation. I recommend you sleep in your armor. <laughs> I wouldn't take it off at night. <laughs> I wouldn't lay down the truth and, 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 and say, well, I'm going to just go indulge in lies for a few hours. <laughs> I'd keep the truth on. So, you know, get a revelation of it and, and just get it. Well, you know, this is what I understand and, and, and I'm going to walk, live my life this way from here on. Just put the armor on and keep it on. And then, we said now it's important that you repetitively do it or refresh yourself. You know, sometimes they come out with new stuff and you've got to trade in the old for the new. Now, God's Word doesn't get old, but we need to refresh our revelation on God's Word and keep putting it in. You can't hear God's Word once and say, well, that's good enough. I'm going to close the Bible now until, I, until it's time for me to go on. I've heard it. No, you hadn't. <laughs> you better keep hearing it. So, but the way you continue to put it on, even though it's part of your life and your lifestyle, is you continue to attribute it when, when something comes up, when a thought comes to mind that contradicts it, when the devil comes against you with a challenge, whether it be a sickness or whether it, it's a financial challenge or whether it's a conflict with some other person or whether it's a, um, uh, an emergency of some sort or another that just gets you all frustrated and out of sorts. Uh, any of those things that come, that's the time to get, start polishing up the armor and putting it back on. You know, maybe you let it down for a while. But you speak this revelation of these truths over your life, and that's how you continually put on the armor or put it back on if you've let part of it down. So, you know, every once in a while, people we, we let our guard down, so to speak, in a spiritual sense. We get everything's going fine, all of our hunkies or dories are hunky, and, and we just take a spiritual vacation. <laughs> and we think, well, I don't need to read my Bible this week. Everything's going great. I don't have to pray. Everything's fine. And, and it, those things don't make it fine for you, but you need to continue to live what God has revealed to you. And so sometimes, because we let our guard down, the devil will sneak one in on you. <laughs> he'll, he'll shoot the zinger, and it'll get in right at the right place and deceive you or get you uh, to accept something or sometimes whether you accept it or not he's just going to just try to kill you all the time hit you with some sickness or some problem and, and you may be caught off guard <laughs> well stand up and stand firm and put your armor back on speak the word over yourself and that's what gets you back in your, in your full set of armor is by speaking it over yourself. So anyway, I wanted to just say that before we start getting into these because literally that's what you need to do to put on this armor is you need to have a revelation. If there's one of these pieces that we're going to go over that you don't have a full revelation on that's yours in the kingdom of God, pray and ask God to show you that and make it a part of your everyday believing, your everyday lifestyle. 
and that way you're wearing the armor. And then if you get caught with some of this, some of these truths not top of mind for you, and the devil gets a zinger in on you, just put it back on. Put it back on. Speak it over your life. So anyway, I just wanted to back up and say that before we get too deep into each one of these. But we're going to talk about truth. Now, people, people ask a lot of times, because people have different beliefs, and they have different um, religions, and they have different th- sets of thinking. And so a lot of people would argue with you over what the truth is. Even Pilate, back when, when Jesus was on trial, Pilate said um, to Jesus, he says, what is truth? Now, I don't know if Pilate really was interested in the truth or not. It, it doesn't really tell us. He might have been. He might have been curious to, to, to learn something from Jesus. I don't know. But it could have been that, that he was just like, well, you know, what's truth to you may not be truth to me. What is truth? Everybody debates what they believe. What is the real truth? So, but that is a question that's still going on today. If you would say to people, well, if you just believe the truth, the truth, well, what's the truth? How do you know what the truth is? So that is a question, isn't it? Well, if, if the Bible is our standard, and you always got to go back, if, if you don't make the Bible your standard, you're, you're in trouble. But if the Bible is a standard that you can put your faith in, then it tells you what the truth is. So we don't have to guess. And so, if you look in John chapter 1, verse 14, we're just going to look at a few of these of what the Bible says the truth is. But John 1, 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, from the Father, full of grace and truth. So who was full of truth? Jesus, who John calls the Word. So when, he, when, when Jesus became flesh and came to this earth, in other words, as the Word of God made into a person and was born as a little baby in Bethlehem, He was full of the truth. So one thing you could say to know what the truth is is whatever Jesus was full of. Now what Jesus was full of was what He started teaching then when He grew up, right? It started coming out of Him. So you could say that Jesus and what was inside of Him that He taught (laughs) is the truth. So that's one place it tells us. Look at uh, verse 17 in that same chapter. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So again, He's the source of the truth. Jesus is. He is the source of truth. So what is, what is truth? Well, we're getting to what it is, but we're, we're getting to who it is and where it came from with these verses. Okay, now look over, flip over to four, chapter 14 of John. John 14, 6. And here Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. So that statement is the truth because the only way you can come to, to God the Father is through Jesus now that He came to be the Savior. But not only is that whole statement a truth, He says in that statement, I am the truth. Now John in chapter 1, again, associated or interchangeably used Jesus and the Word of God as one and the same. So again, if you say that Jesus, would not we say, but we agree with what He said He was, that He is the truth and He is the Word, then you could say the Word is the truth, couldn't you? So Jesus and the Word of God, which are interchangeable, are the truth. Okay? Now, there are other places in the New Testament uh, where it refers to the truth or the Word of truth talking about the Bible, talking about the Gospel. So let's turn over to Colossians. Uh, 14, 16, it really is 14, 6. 14, 6. What do I have on the sheet? 14, 16. 
Okay, that was probably a typo. I said six, I think, but I, it, it's probably a typo on there, on the sheet. Yeah, so just change that to John fourteen six. Okay, so in Colossians chapter 1, turn there. Now, we're going to look at verse 5 and 6, but he starts in verse 3. He says, We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. This is Paul talking about him praying for the church, the Colossians, and the church at Colossae. Verse 4, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So the gospel here is equated to the truth. Now we know we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John gospels, the four gospels, but don't we also in a general sense equate the good news of the New Testament about Jesus as the gospel? Okay, and here Paul is saying that the gospel is the truth. So not only is Jesus himself the truth, his word is the truth, he brought the truth, but his message is the truth, the gospel. What does gospel mean? Good news. Okay, so the, good, the, the word of truth is good news. That is a, an important truth in and of itself to always remember that the gospel is always good news. If somebody's bringing you something and they're saying it's from God and it's bad news, I would question whether or not they got it right. I would question whether or not they're on the right track because the gospel is always good news. Now, it may not always be the news you want to hear, (laughs) but it's always good news. It's never news of doom and gloom and your destruction and all that. That's not the gospel. So he equates the the gospel here as the truth. And then let's go on in verse 6. And he says, Which has come to you, just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in the truth, or in truth. So one thing I want to back up at the beginning of verse 6, and this is just an extra nugget in here. Not necessarily to do with the armor, but it has, it's an important point about the Word, and we could just spend the rest of the time on this. And that is there's a truth here, and I would recommend you, you, you uh, pray over this truth and get a hold of it, get a revelation on it, and that is that the gospel is always... And what's the gospel? The good news or the Word of God? It says, which is it just referred to the truth, the gospel in verse five at the end, and then it says that it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. So that is a promise to you that the word of God, if you'll take advantage of it and use it the way the the Bible teaches us to use the word to exercise our faith you can count on the fact that it will always work to increase and it will always bear fruit. Doesn't doesn't that agree with a verse we've heard um, that says where God's Word will not return void, but it will accomplish what He called it to do? See, the Bible always agrees with itself. But but this says here, and this when I got a hold of this a couple years ago, I'm like, I like this because it says the Word is always bearing fruit and it's always increasing. See, if I get into the Word, I shouldn't be on the downward spiral. I should be going up, increasing. And not only that, it's not just increasing for my old selfish self. I need to be bearing fruit. What does that mean? If I'm bearing fruit, doesn't that mean it's ready for the picking? So whoever is is coming along my tree and bumping into my limbs would be able to take advantage of the fruit? Okay, fruit grows out on a limb. So if you're going to bear fruit, <laughs> I always like to, to remind you of this, if you're going to bear fruit, you can't stay all sna- uh, safe and snug around the trunk. <laughs> you got to sometimes get out on a limb. Because <laughs> where does fruit grow? Out on a limb. <laughs> so you got to exercise some faith, be willing to go out on a limb. <laughs> And bear fruit, but you have the promise right here that says the word is always bearing fruit. So if you get in line with the word, 
You're going to bear fruit. And it says it's always increasing. You can always increase. So anyway, that was just thrown in as a bonus. <laughs> you won't even get charged for that part. But let's go on to the rest of what verse 6 says at the end here. It says, And understood the grace of God in truth. So again, it's important here. We said the gospel is the truth. It's important to understand God's grace according to the truth. Okay? Oh, another way we could say that, couldn't we say that because we're interchanging God's Word, Jesus, the Gospel, as a definition of the truth. So you could, you could reword this here and say, it's important to understand the grace of God according to the Word of God. So for you to really understand God's grace, His, His uh, power, His unmerited favor towards you, the right perspective is to look at it through the glasses of the Gospel of the Word of God. If you will look at what God is doing, His power that's going on out here in the spiritual realm, if you'll look at things that are, that are going on that God's involved with, and everything that's going on around you and in your life is not what God's involved with, because there is a devil, right? But if you'll look at what God's got going on through the lens of the Word of God, which that means what? First, you've got to put on the Word, and you've got to have a revelation of how, what it means in looking through it. If you look through the Word at God, it says you'll understand His grace. See, there are people out here that, that are trying to tell people what God's doing, and they got it all twisted and misunderstood, and all they're doing is, is confusing people and messing them up to get to the point to where some people are so confused and got their thinking so mixed up that they're like, I don't even know what God's like. I mean, is he, does He kill people? Does He do this? Does He do that? I don't know. Whatever God does, I guess, is whatever, whatever happens is from God. No, it's not. There's a devil. And there's a bunch of stupid people, too, out here you know, that are doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> but you can understand God's grace through the truth, looking at it through the Word of God. So there was a lot of important nuggets in there and those couple of verses there in Colossians 1, but it has to do with knowing what the truth is. And so the Word of God is, is compared to the truth. So we're talking about what is this belt that i got to put on. Well, it is getting a revelation that God's Word is the truth. Now, how is that going to help you fight the devil and defend yourself but also go on the offensive? Well, I tell you what, if you know the truth and you've got a revelation on it, and it's holding you together in the middle, <laughs> is it hard for somebody to deceive you? Absolutely. If you know something beyond the shadow of a doubt, this is the truth, I, it would be hard for me to come talk you out of it. That's why it's so important, this piece of the armor. And I'm, I'm glad that Paul started with this one, because if you don't get the fact that the Word of God is a priority and that understanding it and making it your lifelong search and your lifelong uh, pursuit is to get more and more revelation of Him through His Word, then you're subject to being deceived. You're subject to, to falling flat on your face. You're subject to failure. You're subject to this, to that, and the other. There are scriptures that say exactly what I'm telling you. There's a scripture that says those who put a... Put, um, I forget exactly how it's worded, but those who put priority on the Word shall find good. I might have shared that one last week. I'm not sure. Um, that is a truth that, that you need to understand what the truth is and pursue it with the rest of your life, with, with all the priority and focus that you possibly can because that's what keeps you out of trouble. That's what keeps you knowing trouble when trouble comes. That's what keeps you from letting your emotions get out of control with you. That's what keeps you from taking whatever the devil delivers at your door. If you, if you know the truth and that, that, that you don't have to take that, you open the door and kick it off the doorstep and tell the devil to take it back where it came from and send him packing with it. But if you don't know the truth, you might think, well, maybe God wanted me to have that. You know, 
I hadn't had the flu this year, and maybe, maybe he wants me to have the flu so I can relate to all these other people who've been... No, he doesn't. <laughs> Jesus never put sickness on anybody. <laughs> he only healed. <laughs> the flu doesn't belong to you. But if you don't know the truth of God's words, you could be talked into taking the flu. Don't take it. And that's just one small example. It could be a thousand things. It could be letting your, your uh, anger get out of control. That, that's a thing that, that if you know the truth, you can apply the truth to your mind and to your will and your emotions by understanding it first because you've studied it and then secondly speaking it out of your mouth to combat your own weaknesses and it will keep you in line with the Word. Okay? All these things, the truth, if you don't know the truth first, you're subject to being deceived, misled, failure, and, and so on and so forth. That's why it's so important. And I, I'm really happy that Paul used this as the first piece that we need to focus on putting on is the belt of truth. And then look in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're talking about what is truth. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed on Him. Now who's saying this? Jesus. And who is He saying it to? Believers. <laughs> okay? So that's like us. He's saying it to the ones that believed on Him. So this is important. He's talking to people like us. He said, If you, you who? You believers... <laughs> Continue in my word. Now, wait a minute. If you're a believer, don't you just automatically continue in the word? Must not, because he's saying if, didn't he? Is it possible for believers not to continue in God's word? It must be, because Jesus said if. So if, you're, if you fall in the category of a believer, then he said if you continue. So it must be up to you to continue. Right? Okay, stick with me. <laughs> it's important then that we continue because why? He said, then are you truly disciples of mine. Okay, so is there a difference between being a believer and being a disciple? Yes. yes. Being a disciple is another level. Okay? We should strive to continually be disciples of Jesus and not just believers. In fact, if you get right down to it, not that they're born-again believers, in other words, they don't have the Spirit of God living in them, but to a degree, the devil and the demons are believers. <laughs> don't they know for sure there's a God? <laughs> you better believe it <laughs> if they do. Um, else they wouldn't be fighting Him. <laughs> But there's a difference between being a disciple and being a believer. If Think about it this way. You can define disciple, you can use interchangeably the word follower. What does a follower do? They follow. <laughs> Come up here, Haley. Okay. Come right here behind me. Okay, I want you to demonstrate being a follower. <laughs> okay, thank you. So what did, what did she do to be a follower? She went in behind me and went wherever I went, right? She did what I did. She acted like me. Okay? Now, Haley, do you believe that I'm standing up here? Yes. Okay, so you're a believer sitting there in your chair, right? But are you a follower sitting there in your chair? If I walked around the room and said, be a follower, and you sat there in your chair, would you be a follower? No. You might be a believer, but you're not a follower. There's a difference. What is the difference? It's what he said in between, if you continue in my word. So, it's important, if we know the word of God is the truth, that we take action on it, that we continue in it, that we follow him by following his word. Then what does he say? 
And he said, that's what makes you a disciple. And he said, and you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Now, a lot of people, a lot of church people, (laughs) quote the second half of that verse and never bother with the first half. They say, well, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's the truth that will make you free. Well, that's true. But it's only true if you continue in the Word and be a follower of Jesus. Otherwise, the, the truth has no power over you to set you free or to keep you free. But if you'll make it your business to be a follower of Jesus, then you're His disciple. Then it says and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you... See, believers, chair-sitters, don't know the truth and get set free. But followers learn the truth and they learn what's, what will set them free and they learn how to walk in freedom because they're following after God's Word, after the truth, and God will reward those who pursue Him and His Word. Didn't I just say there was a scripture that said if you, if you, uh, a man who finds the word finds good or puts a priority on the word? I forget exactly how it's worded. Um, and so it's because you're out there looking. <laughs> you're a follower. And so it's important that we understand that we need to be disciples of Jesus and not just believers. So it's good that we associate ourselves as believers, but I, you know, let's use the word disciples more. Uh, not that it's important exactly what words you use, but that's how you know the truth. And then look over in just quickly in verse 44 of this. It says, um, he's talking to the, um, I believe to the uh, scribes or Pharisees. He says, you are of your father the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. So we've learned who is the truth is Jesus, right? Jesus, the Word of God, the Gospel, that's the truth. You, you, you learn the truth and it, and it helps you to get set free when you follow Jesus. But here's another important part. There's none of it in the devil. It says there is absolutely how much truth in him? None. None. He's a liar and a murderer. So if he tries to tell you something and bring something across your path, can you just count, even if it sounded good, if it's from him, could it possibly be right? No. He's got some motive to, to give you a little bit enough of partial truth to hook you so he can drag you down his path with a, with a full-blown lie. Because there is no truth in him. No truth. Okay? So, we know what the truth is. We know what the truth isn't or who it isn't. And so it's important that we start out having a revelation of the truth. If you have a true revelation in your, in your life as a believer in Jesus and you want to be a follower, that the Word of God is where all the truth is, would it not make sense and, and, and follow that in the normal course of things that if, that if you come to that understanding, you would want to pursue the Word of God? If, that, if you knew that's where the answers are and that's where the truth is, would it not make sense to pursue the Word? It would. It would. In fact, it wouldn't make any sense not to. (laughs) And so that right there is the biggest hurdle if we could get born-again believers to get a revelation of the fact that the Word of God is where their answers are. I'm not talking about the unbelievers. I'm talking about the believers. If we could just get the believers to make the Word of God a priority and believe that what it said would set them free, would we not have churches full of people pouring in? I'm just, and now I'm just talking about the believers. I'm not talking about the unbelievers. But if we could just get the believers to realize that the Word was the truth, would we not have churches full of people? Now, we need some good teachers and preachers and evangelists in those churches to, to bring forth something. But would we not fill up every church? if the believers truly believed that. Because they'd be, where can I go hear the Word? I need to study it at home as much as I can and somebody help me to learn it. It's a shame. Why is it not, not that way? 
it's because they don't they're not they're not continuing in the word they don't they haven't gotten a revelation on the truth see th- see I said you get, this all starts by getting a revelation on these things just because somebody says well the word's the truth people are like yeah 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 you know they don't pay attention they don't get it because they're not pursuing God they're not pursuing to know God and to spend time make him and his word a priority if they would they would hear something like that and the holy they would be given the holy spirit an opportunity to say that's right you need to make it a priority and if you do i'll show you the answers you're looking for but it's but the devil is deceiving even believers especially believers because see if he can keep the believers defeated he's already got everybody else if he can keep the dele- the believers de- deceived and defeated then his job's easy so you can see why he wants to keep people from keep people out of the word, and he'll send false doctrines and all this stuff about well just come to church and we'll 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 tell you something sweet and nice and and it's really just important that you love one another. If you just focus on that, that's all you need. No, it's not. Is that what the word teaches? No, <laughs> no, that's not all the word teaches. So there's a lot of deception going on out there, and a lot of it's going on in churches unfortunately. But if we had people really believing that the Word of God contained their answers, they would be followers. They would know the truth. The truth would set them free. They would bear fruit, and they would set other people free. Amen? We want to be those kind of believers, right? We want to be disciples that continue in the Word. Okay, so the truth. The truth is one of the, one of the tools. The second one is righteousness. And guess what? We're out of time. <laughs> so next, next time we're going to talk about the righteousness of God as a breastplate. See, I thought we'd hope we'd get at least through two or three of these today, but that's okay. We, we, we don't have a deadline. <laughs> so we won't probably spend the whole time each time on one piece of the, of the toolbox, of the armor. But next week we will talk about righteousness and so you can, you can be studying or you can be praying, Lord, show me more than I already understand about righteousness so that I can understand that's one of the pieces of armor, one of the tools I need to use in my life of faith that I'm living. Okay? So these tools are important. And again, it's not some trick it's not some, well, if I do, it's some gimmick. Well, if I do this and if I say these words every day or once a week, no, it's getting a revelation on these things, these basic revelations, truth, righteousness, the gospel being, being about peace, all these things it lists in here. You get that ground into you and then you start having that type of an attitude the way you live and the way you talk, then you're keeping the armor on. So that's what I mean. I want us to see it that way. It's not some gimmick where I get up every morning and I got a list beside the night beside the bed on my nightstand. And I see now I get up and I make my confessions, and and one of them is I go through Ephesians six and I speak all these armors over. And if I forget today, then I'm going to have a terrible day. No, that's not what it's about. I'm not talking about tricks or gimmicks. I'm talking about having a revelation of what these tools are and then putting them to work in everyday life. And it will involve you speaking and reminding yourself, hey, I'm the righteousness of God. Hey, I, I know the truth. And the Bible says, as long because I'm pursuing to know God's Word the best I can, and I'm continuing in it, I read it every time I get an opportunity to do so and study it, that I'll know the truth. So, devil, <laughs> you're not tricking me. <laughs> I know the truth. I'm a disciple. Now, see, that is a way you can put it on. But it's not some gimmick you get up and if I say, if I say truth three times or if I say righteousness four times, then it'll work for me. To, no, that, that's foolishness. We're talking about really understanding the Word of God and putting the tools in it to work in your life. Amen? Amen. So one way we're, we, that we do that is, uh, you know, we've got these goals we've set, each one of us, for this year. We've set some goals for the church. Can you see if you can find that slide and pull it up? But then also what we're, 
what I was getting ready to say is what we do when we speak over our finances in here. First of all, we're being thankful to God that He's blessed us so much, and He's blessed us tremendously. Even if there's things you've thought of this week that you won't or you're not happy with, you're so blessed, you don't even know how blessed you are. Uh, But not only are we thanking Him and honoring Him with what He's provided to us, but we're also speaking His Word, because it's the truth, over this area of our life. And so that's a way that we're keeping the armor around this part of our life, our our finances, our substance, and so forth. Um, Last week we showed you some of the goals this year for the church. So just like we're, we're... exercising our faith over our personal goals by meaning we're, we're in agreement over them and we're speaking over them, that we have received them and we're thanking God for the manifestation of them. We're going to do the same for the church as, as a whole or as a group. So these were just a few of the bulleted items that we uh, presented to you last week that's the goals for this year, just for this year, for the church. And as the next few weeks go on, we may be able to fill in some detail on some of these. We discussed some of the details last week, and it was really neat that um, Merle shared that she'd been praying, and, and almost all of these, she maybe had them in a different order or different bullet points, but almost all of these were what the Lord was showing, showing her for, to, to stand in faith for. So anyway, we want to be in agreement over these things, and so we're speaking God's Word over them. And we and we are thanking God for these things for the church this year. So, um, so when we pray for our finances, let's pray also for the the finances of the church. They're good. They're in great shape. But we have these things we're gonna we're gonna be doing, and it's gonna take money, right? So we're believing for uh, everything we need whenever we need it, right time, right place, for the right price. Amen. Okay. Well. Um, we're going to um, stand and